Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. Well, y'all, welcome to Ascent Church. Keep coming in. We're in a series called This Messy Life. Today, what we're talking about in particular is this. It's our messy story. Either our messy past or our messy story. I meet people all the time and they say, well, if you really knew my story, you know it's messy. You know, I got some stuff going on. Maybe you don't want to know about it. Maybe I've never said it, but I've got some stuff. My life is messy. So as I've been preparing for this, I've been thinking about messy stories. And I was trying to think of some movies or some shows that had messy stories, messy plots, maybe ones that were tricky or hard to find. And I thought of one that was infamous for being messy. Y'all know this show? You, you ever you, you heard of this? What is this? You know why it's called Lost? Because I was lost when I watched it. I was confused. I watched eight minutes. I couldn't do it. I couldn't keep up. This is a messy story, but I figured it out at the end. Y'all know this bad boy right here? You know these guys? Who's this? Stranger Things. Stranger Things is fire. Stranger Things is amazing. There are some parts I was confused about. Hit the next one, y'all. This part confused me when I first saw it. It was messy. I was a little confused, but like all stories, most of them anyway, at the end, it all comes together. In the middle of some movies of some stories, you're watching it and you're like, where are they going with this? How's this going to work out? How's this going to come together? I don't quite get it. And many of y'all are feeling the same way. God could be doing something in your life and you're thinking, where is this going? How is this going to be resolved? I don't quite understand this. I have some questions, but just like any good story, resolution will come. Resolution will come. But that's what we're talking about today. The story, embracing the mess. Any other messy movies or shows that just confuse the heck out of you? Anybody just shout them out as long as they're appropriate. Any? I can't hear you, anybody. I had a tough time figuring it out too. I was Googling it. I couldn't figure it out. What was it? Which one? Jess, you need to pray about that. Let me know later. Pray about it. All right, let's pray and we'll jump into the text, all right? Father God, our lives are messy. God, our stories are messy. We don't quite often understand what's going on here in our midst, but God, we love you so much. We thank you for being in control. We thank you for steering us and guiding us. In your son's good, sweet name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. So we're going to a text today, which is a little tough. It's a little tricky, but we're going to take our sweet time with it. Are y'all ready to jump in? All right, let's jump into the text. Let's bring it up here. You can check it out on your own Bible, or we'll use the YouVersion app, or you can just look up right here behind me. This is 2 Corinthians 4, 7. This guy, Paul, wrote this. Let me give you a little background. God was working in the churches. People were meeting Jesus. The church was expanding. They were doing mission work. They were healing people. Crazy things were happening, and it was growing like crazy. All right, our church has seen growth. Our church has been involved in the community. And it's cool sometimes to sit back and be like, man, God's working. He's moving. He's doing this with the homeless. He's doing this with people who didn't go to church. It's so exciting to see. But Paul said this in the midst of the growth, in the midst of the crazy. This is what Paul had to say. He said, but we have this treasure, meaning we have this message. We have this power. We have this weight, this responsibility of spreading the message of Jesus. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show That this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Meaning this, we have this big task, this monumental task, this mission, this calling, this job, whatever you have in your life, God's going to put something big and fancy and majestic in something very simple, like a jar of clay. Simply to show that it's not coming from your own power, it's coming from him. 
God is going to do something in your life where there's not going to be any possible way for you to take credit for it. It could be a healing. It could be, it could be an addiction you get past. He could use you to work in someone's life. I don't know what it is, but God is going to put something in your life where if you try to take credit for it, you knew you'd be lying. You are 100% certain that was 100% God. God did that. He was behind it, and he's going to get all the credit. That phrase right there, jars of clay, is a little tricky. Let's take some time on it. First off, here's my first thought. First off, it means we're simple. We're jars of clay. We're simple. We're nothing fancy. We're very simple. Jars of clay were like the plastic bags of the ancient world. They were like the Ziploc. You had them around, you used them, you reused them. You put stuff in it, which you didn't really have a place for. Anyone have plastic bags in their house? Everybody. Half of y'all are lying. You're staring at me. Yes, you, you do. I know you do. All right? Jars of clay. So Paul says we're simple. We're like jars of clay. There was a modern day philosopher. She said this. Tell me if you, if you know who I'm talking about. She said this. She said, do you ever feel like a plastic bag? Floating, stop floating through the wind, wanting to start again. Do you ever feel like a house of cards? I think I messed up the words. One blow from caving in. Baby, you're a firework. Come on, let your colors burst. Make them go, ah, ah, ah. You leave them saying, ah, ah, ah. Do you know a philosopher I'm talking about? Katy Perry, in the volunteer service, this big dude from Kansas, big, big dude, two words. He's like, Katy, all right, that's Katy Perry. Katy Perry and Paul, same page. You with me? Same page. Sometimes we're like a plastic bag, all right? Sometimes we're like a jar of clay. I want you for the rest of your life when you see this verse to think of our girl Katy Perry right here. But y'all, the point is that we're simple. Sometimes we feel like we're nothing fancy. Scripture says we're literally created from dust, In Genesis, when God creates us, he literally scoops down and uses dust, mud, clay to form us. And I don't quite know where you are, but I think we'd agree on this. So maybe you're into creation. Cool. Maybe you're not into that. Maybe you like evolution or uh, maybe intelligent design or something like that. That's cool. But whatever you believe, whatever you believe, the point is we have humble beginnings. If you believe in evolution, we have very humble beginnings. If you believe in creation, okay, we come from mud, from dirt. We have very... Humble beginnings. Paul's trying to say we have very humble beginnings, but we contain something spectacular. We're called to do something spectacular. God puts something very spectacular in us. That's the second point. Clay jars are vessels. See, we fill ourselves with something. We have a tendency as human beings to be empty and to constantly be looking for something to pour in. I need more of this. I need more of that. I wanted to ask you today, what are you pouring into your soul? What are you pouring into your soul? Scripture says we're empty vessels, right on. What are you pouring into your soul? I'm going to challenge you for a second. If you spend three hours a day looking at social media, how could you not struggle with comparison? Sound of freedom, everybody? Let's go. Come on. I'm not going to whine about it. If you spend hours looking at magazines, looking at blogs, looking at all that, if you're looking at all that stuff for three hours a day, how could you not struggle with body image? If you spend hours dwelling over your problems and your worries and what if this happens? What if that goes bad? What about this? What about that? How could you not struggle with anxiety? You must realize we're vessels. And what you are pouring into you affects you. The music you listen to, the shows you watch, the people in your life, we're constantly being poured into, and you must take very careful notice of that. 
I digress, I digress. We're jars of clay. The final part of this verse is what I want you to see. I came to tell you God stores treasure in clay jars. He puts something very special and something very simple. Why? It's to show that your story is from God and not from you. God works the spectacular through the ordinary. That's what Paul's trying to say. He's trying to make you say what? He does what? He says he puts treasure in clay jars. You would never put a Rolex right in a Ziploc baggie. Right on. If you had a wad of cash, if you're old school, you like to keep cash under the mattress or somewhere like that, you bury it in the yard. You never put money in just a bag or something valuable. Paul's, Paul wants us to say, what? But that's what God does. He gives us, jars of clay, something very, very valuable. He does something spectacular through the ordinary. Let's talk about this middle school for a second. This middle school is a jar of clay. It's nothing fancy. I think you can agree with me on that. It was built in the 60s. It wasn't our first choice school. But you know what? God put us here. God put us here. And God is doing something special through this school. He's reaching people. We're seeing, we're seeing marriages healed. We're seeing people meet Jesus for the first time. We've seen, as of today, over 50 people getting baptized. So we're excited. God is showing, look, it's not because you've got a huge budget. It's not because you're in a fancy building. It's not because you have this nice facility. God is working. God put us in a place where we couldn't take credit for it. You know what I'm saying? It has to be him. It has to be him. It has to be him. There's a, whole, um, a mobile homeless ministry called 99 for the One. We love them. They're fantastic. And we can cheer for them. Let's cheer about what they're doing. They're amazing. And if you want to work with them, if you want to serve with them, let us know on the A-card. We will get you hooked up with them soon. They're amazing. But they, they get these food truck looking things. And if you saw one on Craigslist, it's nobody's dream car, okay? Pass, hard pass. You don't want it. But they said, what if we, what if we have like an artist, you know, put a mural on it? And what if we put a shower in the back of it? And what if we have a place, it's like a closet back there. We have clothes and shoes and blankets. And what if we go around with people who can cut hair and they cut hair for the homeless? Oh, and what if we put some subs in the back so we can get some beats thumping when we go around and do this? Yo, that's a jar of clay. A simple, boring, ordinary food truck looking van God's using for an amazing thing. Let's talk about parenting for a second because a lot of y'all can relate. Parenting is a simple thing, but God uses it for spectacular purposes. Half of parenting is to get them to try to go to bed. Try to get them, they, trying to get them to stay in their room. It's like a reverse hostage situation at my house. I'll do anything. Stay in the room. Do you, what, what do you want? I will do anything. Do you want me to write a check? Slide it under the door. I'll give you anything. I'll do anything. I'll say anything. Stay in there. That's parenting. That's parenting. Doing the dishes, changing diapers, waiting in line. It's parenting. It's parenting. But did you realize, sometimes it's easy to forget, that you were raising up the next generation? of leaders in the church, of mothers, of fathers, of leaders in work and business, in politics, in medicine. You are doing that through the ordinary. Parents, don't forget that. Don't ever say, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I'm just a stay-at-home dad. No, 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 you're shaping the future. God does something spectacular through the ordinary. It says right here, he does it to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I came to announce, it's not about you. Turn to your neighbor, say, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. God will make sure you realize it's not about you. Some of y'all are excited about this. Y'all are just really hammering home over here. There's one little phrase I don't want you to miss. It's all surpassing. His all surpassing power. Y'all, sometimes I'll be honest with you. We don't live as if his power was all surpassing. Y'all, if you honestly woke up every day and truly believed in your heart of hearts that God was with you, 
that he had a plan for you and that the power by your side was all surpassing, would anything phase you? Would anything make you lose sleep? Would anything worry you? Would anything scare you? Absolutely not. I think we forget. We think that, we might not say this out loud, but we think our fears are greater. Our challenges are greater, but the reality is his power, and he's always with us, is all surpassing. Let's move on to the text. Remember the point that our story is messy. Your story is messy. My story is messy. Our past is messy. Our present is messy. Let's go to verse 8. This is some of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Verse 8, it says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. You see, I bet some of y'all felt some pressure. He says hard-pressed. He means like pressed. Not like bench press. Not military press. He means like pressed together. It says y'all are hard pressed. I bet some of y'all are hard pressed right now. I bet you some of you had a hard pressed kind of week. This last year, year and a half for me, I will, I'll be honest with you, it was hard pressed. Starting up a church, having staff join, having staff leave, moving, moving again, moving again. Having an infant, having a toddler, having one of our staff, our worship leader, um, get diagnosed with brain cancer. There's been a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. I want to ask you, do you feel the pressure? Ask your neighbor, do you feel the pressure? Some of y'all, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the pressure, the financial pressure, the pressure of providing for your family, the pressure of being a good spouse, the pressure of having it all figured out. Do you feel the pressure? I think we have some pressure, but I came to tell you something today. I came to tell you that pressure will either destroy or determine. Pressure will either destroy or determine your future. The way you view challenges, the way you view pressure will absolutely change your faith and it will absolutely change your life because pressure is neither good nor bad. Pressure is neutral. Pressure is neutral. If there's a fast-moving stream, it could drown you. You could rig it up and get some electricity out of it. You let it run long enough, you'll make the Grand Canyon. It's just pressure. It's not good or bad. It's how you view it. It's how you treat it. It's how you go about it. But you need to realize this. It's neutral. And the challenge is, though, I think some of us look at it the wrong way. My man James had a little bit to say about pressure. We're going to see what he has to say. We're going to go to James 1, 2 through 4. This is James, Jesus' little bro. It's, It's an interesting place to be. Your older brother being the son of God. That's a weird, weird family dynamic. James had this to say. He said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. James says this. He says, hey, consider it joy when you face trials. And he doesn't even say joy. He says pure joy. Y'all, we don't do that. When we get a diagnosis, we don't say whoopee right on. We don't see it with joy. We see it with sorrow. We're grieved. We're, We're hurt. We feel frustrated. When I have a tough week, when I get a tough email or a tough challenge comes up or we're navigating this, navigating that, no part of me is excited. In the back of my mind, I'm like, God, I was hoping for a normal week. I was hoping to get ahead. I was hoping for some rest. Why does this come my way? I'm sure you feel the same way in a lot of parts of life. Who says when you get foreclosed on, whoopee! Oh my gosh, we have another meeting with the principal. Oh, okay, that sounds good. I'm excited about that. Oh my gosh. What? We're behind on the car payment? Woo! No, 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 we don't do any of that. We don't consider it pure joy. We get frustrated. 
We get mad at God. We turn our backs from God. We don't consider it pure joy. But what is James talking about? Let's continue. It says, consider it pure joy when you face trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. He says, you know it produces perseverance. You know it does. You know it does. I don't need to tell you, you know it. You've met some people with an easy life, an easy, simple life, and they're about this deep. But you know some people who've been through some stuff. They've been through some challenges. They've been through some pain. They've been through a few deployments and a few heartbreaks and through a few of this, a few of that. They have some soul to them. They have some experience. They can speak to some matters. They've been weathered a little bit. Your faith produces perseverance. The testing produces perseverance. Verse four, James continues. He says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. He says, look, God's going to put something in your life. It's going to lead to perseverance. Let it finish its work. Let it do its thing. I think so many times the number one obstacle to us growing closer with the Lord is us. James is like, let it do its thing. Let it finish its work. God has a purpose. He has a plan. He's in control. But we, for whatever reason, like to get involved. Oh, God, not again. Oh, why is this happening? We moan and we complain. James says, just shut up, sit back, and let it finish its work. Why? So that we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. How do we become mature? How do we become complete? How do we not lack anything? It's through through trials, through tests of our faith, through hardship. So many of y'all are on your hands and knees saying, God, make me a stronger person. God, make me more trusting. Make me more patient. Make me a better mom. Make me a greater boss. But the reality is God ain't going to just hocus pocus you. He's going to give you an opportunity. He's going to give you a trial to persevere through. And that is going to do its work. Some of y'all are begging God for something and he's given it to you, not in the way you wanted it, but he's given it to you. And now you're complaining about it. Say, God, I wish I was a more patient person. God, I wish I was stronger. I wish I had more faith. He doesn't just hocus pocus. You wake up one day, you've changed. No, no, no. He's going to give you an opportunity that he's going to walk with you through, but he's going to give you a challenge or an opportunity or a hardship. And some of y'all, when you get it, we're mad. We're frustrated. Some of our prayers sound like this. We say, God, make my life easier. I think we need to shift that to not God make my life easier, but God make me stronger. Make me a little tougher. Make me a little wiser. I think so many of our prayers are outward focused, trying to control our circumstances. I'm going to challenge you to quit trying to control your circumstances and look within. Just look within and say, God, how can I be a more patient mom? How can I be a more wise dad? Do you all know how diamonds are made? made from pressure. All right, it doesn't take 20 minutes. You don't microwave one of those jokers. No, it's pressure, pressure, pressure for hundreds and thousands of years. Pressure. And those jokers are expensive. I can attest. All right? Those jokers are expensive. But that's how God creates things of beauty. That's what he wants to do in your life as well. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. Next part of the verse says, we are perplexed, but not in despair. I would say that more people leave the Christian faith over this one than any other one. We're perplexed, right on. We're confused, which leads to despair, which leads to your heart and your heart, and you get out of there. We're perplexed. God, why would you do that? God, why would you bring that trial? God, why would you not give me that job? God, how could that person get this illness? We get confused. It leads to despair, and we dip out. 
That's how it goes. I think more people have left the faith over that than anything else. I have two little boys, and I'm amazed at how many times I have to say to them, look, you don't understand this right now, but you need to trust daddy. And look, you can't stay up all night. You can't eat ice cream for dinner. You have to eat kale. I know it tastes like the inside of a garbage can, but you have to eat it. I know it tastes like I scraped out the bottom of the lawnmower. You know what I'm talking about? And I put it in the smoothie. and make, I know it tastes like that, but you got to eat it because it's good for you. That, that, that's it. That's it. You just got to trust your father. So many of us are perplexed. Not only that, but we've fallen into despair. Our heavenly father does the same for us. And just because things happen that we don't understand, we turn our back from him. We fall into despair. We run from him. I came to tell you today, you can be perplexed and not fall into despair. You cannot have all the answers and still have joy. You can be living in the mystery of God, of that in-between time, and still enjoy your life, still have joy, still love to walk with him. It's possible. It's what Paul called us to do. With all due respect, Paul was a pretty smart dude. Paul wrote more books of the Bible than anyone else. Paul was really close to Jesus, all right? And I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but the reality is this. If Paul was perplexed, we might be a little bit, you know, confused sometimes too. Almost expect it. I would say if you're new to faith, expect that time to be confused. Expect that time where you'll be perplexed. Almost expect it and almost embrace it because it's coming. It's coming. If Paul was perplexed, we will be too. I don't want to offend anyone, but I'm probably going to, so just deal with it. Questioning God comes from pride. You have to have a lot of pride. I have pride so I can address this. The thing with pride is you don't know you have it. People who are really proud don't think they're really prideful. People who are proud will be like, I'm the most humble person I know. I'm humble as you get, son. They're full of pride. It blinds you. You don't don't quite see it. But if you're going to look at, if you're like, I'm 40 years old, sucker, I've been through some stuff. If you're 40, you think you got your stuff together. If you look at the infinite, the infinite God, the uncreated creator, the source of all love and wisdom in the universe, who spoke the universe into being with a word from his mouth. If you look at that, if you look at him and you say, I know better than you. Like you, you messed up. I know, I've been through some stuff. I did a quick Google search. I, I know my stuff. Do you have your stuff together? That's what we're doing. When we're mad at God, when we're frustrated at him, why would you do this? How could you do this? Just because we don't see how he could work good through a situation doesn't mean he can't. It doesn't mean he won't. But that's what we do. We say, I can't see how God would work good through this. So we assume he can't do it. And that comes from pride. And we must wage war against pride because it can destroy us. It can destroy us. Let's go to verse 9. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. Those four little words, it's easy to skip over. It's easy just to whatever next. But those four words, if you let them sink deep in your heart, it'll absolutely change your life. Do y'all remember those books back in the day? It had a bunch of squigglies on it, and you look at the image all cross-eyed, and then an image would come out of it all 3D. Y'all remember what I'm talking about? Like two of y'all are nodding. Was it just me? Was I a weird kid or something at into that? Okay, that, that's, his, that, that's these four words, persecuted, but not abandoned. You stare at it, you stare at it, but then if you really let it sink in, man, God will reach out through that and do something spectacular. He really will. If you know that when you're facing persecution, when your faith is under attack, when you're being challenged, that God is still with you, it will utterly change your life. Whether you realize it or not, the first thing you think is, is God still here? 
Does he still have a plan? Does he still love me? The answer is yes. Even though we're persecuted, even though we're going through hell itself, we are not abandoned. The last little chunk right here is wonderful. It says we are struck down, but not destroyed. We're struck down, but not destroyed. I came to tell you, I'm still standing. And although you're sitting right now, I challenge you to look in the mirror later. Because you may have thought, I've been through some hell this year. I've been through some challenges. I've been through some heartbreak. I've been through some heartache. I've been through that deployment, through that cancer, through that financial stuff. And you may feel beat up and beat down, but I want you to look in the mirror because I noticed something. You're still up. You're still standing. You may have been through absolute hell, but you're still standing. And I noticed something else about me too. And I want you to look within because I noticed I'm a little stronger than I used to be. I'm a little wiser than I used to be. I give a little bit more grace to people than I used to. I'm a little bit more patient with myself than I used to be. There were some hiccups along the way. There were some troubles. There were some things I didn't expect. There were some things I didn't plan. I've been through some dangers and toils and snares, but by his amazing grace, I'm still standing and you are too. You are too. Yo, you've been through it. You've been beat down. You've been struck down, but you are not destroyed. Notice what it says. It doesn't say if you're a Christian, you might get hit, but you block it. You do some jujitsu, some stuff like that. Nothing can touch you. No, no, no. Paul says, no, no, no. Part of being a person of faith is you will get struck down. That divorce you're going through might level you. But that's okay. That cancer you're fighting, it might knock you flat. Those financial difficulties, raising kids, that deployment, it's okay to be struck down, but it's not okay to stay down. It's okay to be struck down, but it's not okay to be destroyed because you are not going to be destroyed. He's still with you. He still has a plan for you. You are still standing. You're still standing. Verse 10 right here, we'll close here. It says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. That's a hard phrase, but what he means is we carry around weakness and hardship and difficulty. That's part of being a person of faith. It's not immunity from it. We carry around weakness, but you know what? God works through weakness so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. It's the same what he said before. God's going to work amazing things through something ordinary. Through pain, through hardship, through suffering, he's going to bring life. He's going to bring rejuvenation. He's going to bring restoration. He is going to bring amazing things in our city. And I came to tell you, you have a story to tell. You have a story to tell, but the main character isn't you. It's him. A lot of your stories aren't lining up. It's not fitting properly because you're the main character. And you're an important part of your story, but God will write your story in such a way. He'll put things a certain way only so that we can glorify him. You thought you had some clay jar moments, meaning messy parts of the story, divorce, death, pain, hardship. You thought God had abandoned you. He's not doing that. He's setting you up so you can't take any credit for. So you walk through, you may be through absolute hell right now, but you're going to come out of it stronger, braver, more courageous, a deeper faith, and you're going to give him all the glory. You're going to give him all the credit. We have a story to tell. Let me read those verses again. Let me speak them over you. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but we are not destroyed. And do you know why that's true? Do you know why that's so? Don't mishear me. If you're new to this faith thing, don't leave me thinking this is some new age, you know, encouraging stuff where I'm like, you have more strength than you realize. No, no, no. We are weak. We're very weak. The reason we're able to be so resilient is because of the love and the partnership of Jesus Christ. 
walking through us, carrying through us, infusing us with strength. We have a spiritual buoyancy. You ever seen a buoy? You can hold it underwater, but the second you let go, it's going to pop right back up. You ever had a beach ball right on at the pool? Same thing. This is us in faith. Something can hold you down, pin you down, but the second it's gone, boosh, we pop right back up. That's what we have through Jesus Christ. You see, we believe Jesus Christ was the incarnate son of God. We believe he lived the perfect life and he died the perfect death. Meaning his story, his life was flawless, perfect. When God looked at him, he had a perfect record. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, he died the death we should have died. He took the punishment of our sin, of our mistakes, of our failures. He took that that punishment and he dealt with it on the cross. So now when God looks at you, he doesn't see your past. He doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see all that. If you were in Christ, what he sees is the perfect record of his son. Jesus had straight A's. He gave them to you. He had a flawless, spotless record. Every good thing that Jesus had done, a perfect, sinless life. If you were in Christ, that record has been given to you. And that's how God treats you. That's how he treats you. But you need to realize this. When Jesus Christ was on the cross, you need to know this today. You see, he was hard-pressed. Just like we're hard-pressed and not crushed, he was hard-pressed, but he actually was crushed. Jesus Christ was crushed, so you and I didn't have to be. Look at this prophecy from Isaiah, hundreds and hundreds of years before. This is what Isaiah had to say about Jesus. He said, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was, somebody say, crushed. Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. He was crushed so we didn't have to be. You see, Jesus Christ was perplexed. You see, we're perplexed, but not in despair. Jesus Christ was perplexed, but he actually was in despair. When he hung on the cross in the darkness, do you know what he cried out? He screamed. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was perplexed. He was in despair. He was in despair, so we didn't have to be. So we would never have to answer that question. Because of what Jesus did, God will never leave us or forsake us. See, he was persecuted for us. But Jesus actually was abandoned. He was abandoned so we didn't have to be. When Jesus took on all our sin on the cross, the Father turned his back from him. Jesus Christ actually was persecuted because of us. And he was abandoned. He was abandoned by the love of the Father. Because, y'all, that's what we deserve. But Jesus took it. He took that abandonment so you and I would never have to face that. So you and I would never have to call out, my God, my God, or you'd have to call out, Lord, and get silence. Jesus took that silence for me and for you. See, Jesus Christ was struck down. But unlike us, he actually was destroyed. Scripture says we're struck down, but not destroyed. No, 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 but Jesus was struck down, and he was destroyed. He was destroyed, so you and I didn't have to be. When Jesus Christ was on the cross... Do you know what happened? He took the full punishment of sin on our behalf. He experienced separation from God. He experienced death. He experienced hell itself on the cross. So you and I would never have to go there. That's why we have that buoyancy. That's why we can be resilient. That's why we can live to fight another day. It's all because of him. It's all because of him. It's from him. It's for him. It's through him. It's all because of him. Don't leave here today thinking this thinking, I'm just a tough person. The pastor said, I can just be tough. I can get through anything. I believe that. 
But without Jesus, you can't. We need him. My wife always looks at me, and when times are tough, she says, you're going to need him. You're going to need him. I needed him this week. I need him today. I need him right now, and I will bet that you do too. What I want you to do throughout this week, if you feel hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, if you feel struck down, I want you to look within. I want you to look to the cross. And I want you to realize because of what Jesus did on the cross, because he took those things for us, he took being perplexed, he took being hard-pressed, he took the persecution, he took being struck down on our behalf. That is where you get your resilience from. That's where you get your fight from. That's where you get your strength from. That is why we can fight another day. And y'all, I didn't include the scripture up here. I probably should have, but something the Bible says, which you need to know, is that God is the author and finisher of our faith. So even though you have a messy story, even though you don't know where it's going, even though you might, might get lost in the plot sometimes, you need to know that he's writing your story and he has a brilliant ending coming. You might not see it, but I guarantee in hindsight, you will be able to look back and see how he wove every little thing together for our good and for his glory. Church, whatever comes at you this week, I want you to look to the cross. And realize we do have that spiritual buoyancy. We can fight back because of what he did for me and what he did for you. We believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact the city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.